Psalm 107. I think I got this thing going. We'll continue our series here in the loving kindness of the Lord. Psalm 107, we'll begin reading in verse 23. I think somebody said it was Rachel's birthday, so wish her a happy birthday as she turns 29 or so. 29. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, Psalm 107, verse 23. Now, we've already read the first section that talks about the lost, and the second section that talks about the rebels, and the third section that talks about the fools. Now let's pick up in verse 23. The Bible says, uh, They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. You know, it's a good thing to get out and see nature. You get busy in business like these people are and all you ever see is your office and these days your computer and your you know, iPad and iPhone and iPod and all the eyes, you know and all the smart things, it's, it's a good thing to get out and see nature. See some wind, and see some trees, and see some fields, and see some mountains, and see some desert, and see some ocean, and see some rivers. And It's a good thing to do. I'm glad we're in a part of the country where it's not real hard to do that. Yeah. Verse 25 says, For He commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heavens, they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and He bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet so He bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt Him also in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. Now let's look at the last two verses of the chapter just to remind us the reason for these things. Verse 42 says, The righteous shall see it and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. I want to preach understanding the Lord's loving kindness. This is Sermon 3. And this is when the attention is arrested of the working class. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray You come down now and speak through us. And God, we know that we're unworthy. We're not, we're not naive about our, our sinfulness and our weakness, especially compared to Yours. And Lord, I pray, dear God, that You'd help us to be a faithful servant of Yours and just bring to the people what You have clearly written here as we expound your scriptures for a little bit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to say this morning that God's goodness in the common events of life reveals His loving kindness. Now, the Lord's loving kindness is shown in those that are lost. The Lord's loving kindness is shown to those that are rebels and they have a harder, they have a harder time with it. Don't harden your heart against the Lord. I mean, it's bad enough to get lost. But when you're bound in affliction and iron, brass on one side of you and iron on the other, let me tell you something. You're not the man of steel to get out of brass and iron. If God imprisons you in brass and iron, you've done something real stupid. You've been a rebel against Him. That's not the normal way it goes. 
and then his uh, loving kindness to fools. Now I want to look at the part of the chapter that uh, shows us the Lord's loving kindness. And yet it's against somebody that no definite sin is listed. These people have some knowledge of the Lord. These people have not rebelled against Him. They're not especially foolish. They're not especially negligent like the lost. And yet they get in a mess too. Amen. Now one of the things that will make you really justify how great you are <laughs> is when you can give this long list of all the great things you've done, like the Pharisee that Jesus talked about. Lord, I give... To the poor, and Lord, I fast twice in the week, and Lord, I this, and Lord, I that. And here these business people could say, Lord, we're just making an honest living and providing for our family, and you still got us in a place where we have to call out for your help and you save us. There are people all over this country that are convinced that they have been treated unfairly. The boss didn't treat them right at work. Their ex-husband or wife didn't treat them right and didn't do them right and them doing their best to do right by them. And their kids didn't do them right. And the neighbors don't do them right. And this person won't do them right. And that person won't do them right. Let me tell you what that is. That's the Lord's loving kindness trying to teach you some lessons that will be a blessing and a help to you. Amen. And I realize that we say when we're as negligent as the lost, we need that. And when we're as mean as the rebels, we need that. And we're as stupid as the fools, we need that. But let me tell you something. Here's some people, just uh, honest business people, trying to transact business, and the Lord has some lessons to teach them. Don't think that just because you're not a pervert, just because you're not into some gross sin, that the Lord doesn't have some things to teach you. He does. These people, because they're doing business in great waters, I assume they're qualified, they're experienced, they're travelers. And they have need for God's direction just as much as the lost. And just as much these comparatively innocent people have a need for deliverance as the rebels and fools. The case is given in present tense as it was in the case of the fools. And differently than the lost and the rebels in verses 1 to 16. That's interesting. Let me tell you something. You can be just carrying on your life, just meeting your obligations and doing your duties, and it might be today or it might be tomorrow, the Lord still has a lesson for you. So let's look at this passage a little more closely. Let's look at the working class arrested. First of all, they're identified in verse 23. They're travelers. They go down to the sea in ships. They're business people. It says they do business in great waters. This implies opportunity. Let me tell you what you have here in the United States of America. You have a land of great opportunity. Amen. There has never been a place and a time like right now. That's true. You can get on the internet and take stuff you didn't even make, get some, sell it for a profit. There are people that make a living on that. A good living. It used to be that if you made something and produced something, you were at the mercy of your town or local area as to try to sell the stuff. Boy, you can put it on the internet now and sell it all over this world. Right. It is unbelievable the opportunity that you have. And especially in this free country and in this prosperous country. I read about a policeman not long ago that as he was walking his beat or making his rounds and checking, making sure everybody was safe, 
would come across a dumpster every now and then. He'd find something in there that he thought might be worth something to somebody, and he got where he would sell that stuff. And then he'd get some more out of dumpsters and sell it, and get some more out of dumpsters and sell it. Next thing you know, he was making more selling his stuff than he was as a policeman. He quit his job and went full-time selling stuff out of dumpsters. <laughs> Let me tell you something, folks. You can't believe the way you can make money. I watched a reality show a little bit where they took this millionaire or billionaire that was confident that he could you know, make it no matter what his situation was. And sure enough, he left his high-rise apartment and left his business and went out in an old beat-up pickup truck with $100 in his pocket or some amount like that and said in, you know, in a few months, I forget what the amount of time was, he'd, make, he'd have him another business started and make a million dollars at it. And he did! And I mean, the guy didn't even hardly have a place to stay in a motel room. But he found an old tire that had been discarded from some construction site, sold that tire, got enough money to get a meal and a, and a hotel room, and the next day he started selling something else, and next thing you know, in a few months, he had a million-dollar business again. Let me tell you something. If you want to do it in America, you can. Amen. If you're not doing it in America, you don't want to very much. You're sitting around looking at electronic screens instead of working or something. Because uh, you can do it here. I mean, there's story after story after story. I used to make much of that uh, speech, Acres of Diamonds, because of the way that people did, uh, did it. But man, you can get a hundred stories like that a day nowadays. There is opportunity. And sure enough, the people in our text here have opportunity. They're doing business in great waters. They found out ways to make money. They're traveling around doing it. They probably have some education. They probably have some wealth. They surely have some experience. They have a good plan. They have a purpose. They have some push. They have some persistence. They don't just give up easy. They have some helpful relationships that help them in their business. These are the movers and shakers. These are the people that will provide well for a family. These are the people that it's profitable to have them as friends. I, I like these people. God bless them. <laughs> They're good for supporting missionaries and the work of God. Yes. We'd be in trouble without. Yes. That's them identified. Now let's look at their opportunity. While they're out on their business, the Lord doesn't say these make real good money and have a real cushy life. You know what He says? He says these see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. When the Lord starts blessing you, start looking for Him in it. Now, don't get me wrong, you'll, you'll have some money to buy you some gadgets and some good meals. Boy, boy, we live in a day where there are some great meals out there. <laughs> I've been going around finding places I didn't even know about, and wow, are they <laughs> scrumptious. I was at one last night, just to tell you the truth about it. But instead of just looking around at all the things that you can enjoy yourself and the sporting events you can attend and the movies you can go to and all the different things you can do. Look for God in that stuff. Your relationship with God will bring you riches and enjoyment that all the other things get empty real quick. Amen. A friend of mine got a promotion at work and he was traveling around and they were paying all of his expenses and buying him food at the finest restaurants and everything. And I heard him talking about it not long after and he was complaining and he said, you know what? Traveling all the time got old a lot faster than I thought it would. 
I mean, here was a guy that, you know, didn't like hanging around the house. He liked getting out and seeing things. But when he was having to do it every single week and eating at restaurants every single day and seeing a new city over and over and over, he said it got old a whole lot faster than I thought it would. Let me tell you about everything this world has to offer you. It will get old a whole lot faster than you Amen. think it will. Amen. Let me tell you what won't get old. A real relationship with God Almighty. Amen. That's what you were put here for. That is why you're here. You find what God would have you to do and stay close to Him as you do it, and that'll take care of every problem you got. Amen. You don't have a problem, that one will take care of it. So the, the opportunity the Lord brings out is not, and they can even make more money, and they can even have better food, and they can even have better relationships, and they can even get more entertainment. He says, they see the works of the Lord and His wonders. Open my eyes that I may behold glorious things, the Bible says. Their opportunity is to see the works of the Lord and the wonders of the Lord. We're in Psalms. I'm going to flip just a few pages over here and read to you from Psalm 78. Psalm 78, verse 32, For all this they sin still and believe not for His wondrous works. Therefore their days did He consume in vanity and their years in trouble. You better notice God's works. When you get so nose to the grind and you're so busy that you don't even look up and notice the wonderful things that God has surrounded you with. And that might be nature for some of you. That might be your family for some of you. That might be wonderful spiritual relationships and friendships of other Christians. And you get so busy with nose to the grind you don't even notice those things. Look what it says. Verse 33 of Psalm 78. Therefore their days did He consume in vanity and their years in trouble. You'll find out a lot of what I'm putting a lot of time and effort and money into is pretty vain. Yes. And it's got a lot of trouble to it. It's got a lot of heartache in it. It's got a lot of frustration to it. I'm not saying quit your job. I'm saying do it while you're looking for God in it. Amen. And His works and His opportunities. Verse 34, when he slew them, then they sought him. Yeah, you get a cancer diagnosis in the middle of it, and all of a sudden your priorities change. <laughs> you get in some real trouble, and your priorities change. Somebody served you with divorce papers, all of a sudden your, your priorities change. A big, a big trial come your way, a big problem comes, all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I should have been paying attention to some things. You lose one of your children, you something that arrests your attention, all of a sudden, then they get looking for Him. They returned and inquired early after God. and They remembered that God was their rock and the high God their Redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter Him with their mouth and they lied unto Him with their tongues. Look out. When you, you know, have a, something to wake you up, you hit rock bottom, You'll be tempted to just give the Lord lip service and just say you're turning back to Him and then go right back to what you've been addicted to for the last decade or more. Be sure you actually make some changes. Verse 35, And they remembered that God was their rock and the high God their Redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter Him with their mouth and they lied unto Him with their tongues for their heart was not right with Him, neither were they steadfast in His covenant. Listen to this. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time 
turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. I'm glad we serve a God that remembers just how weak we are. How many times has the Lord sent me a wake-up call and I kind of sort of woke up for a minute and then just went right back to my ways and He is still merciful on me. You know what he remembered? He remembered Brother Bob is pretty weak. He deserves it worse, but I'm going to take it easy on him. Their opportunity is seeing God's works. All right, now let's look at the origin of their trial. The origin of their trial. Verse 25. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. Uh, Their trial comes from God's command. Let me tell you something, folks. God sends trials into your life. It is his fault. I say fault with air quotes there because it's not really his fault. It's good. Everything he does is good and right. But if you're looking for somebody to blame for the troubles in your life, let me tell you what it is. It's God doing something that is good for you. Uh, We've had fathers after the flesh that corrected us after their pleasure. But He, for our profit, that we may be partakers of His holiness, Hebrews 12 says. So it's God's command, and what He sends is the stormy wind. If you live very long in this life, you're going to go through storms. I don't care if you have lots of money or almost no money. I don't care if you're healthy or sick. I don't care if you're male or female. I don't care if you're young or old. I don't care if you're uh, free or in bondage. You are going to have storms in your life. And we sometimes look at people that have have it better than us. Maybe they have better health, but guess what? The healthy people are miserable in some other area. Or they have more money, and guess what? The rich people are miserable in some other area. Good night. Can we tell stories about that? And we look look at the well-loved people, and the well-loved people are miserable in some other area. And everybody that has any advantage has some disadvantages somewhere. It's just the truth of it. The question is, are you finding God in whatever state you're in? Whatever state you're in, find God right there. And you'll have more joy and happiness than the person five rungs up the ladder from you in whatever category you're so jealous of who doesn't have the Lord. The origin of their trial is God's command and they have stormy wind. On these ships doing business in great waters, there's people that are in the entry-level positions and there are people that are CEOs and owners of businesses and they're all on the same boat just going to try to do business and they all have the same opportunity to see God and they're all in the similar storms. Stormy wind and waves coming up. Now, what is their trial specifically? Verse 26. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. So their trial is a sudden, uncontrolled ascent. I noticed when I was a young person riding rides at the the, uh, amusement parks, it would scare me about as bad to go flying up on one of those rides as it would to come down on it. Because I recognized my stomach still felt a real funny feeling. Also, it made me anticipate now it's going to be even a further fall. <laughs> Let me 
tell you about being on top of the world. It gets a little scary up there. And here they are on these ships. And yeah, the ship is staying on top of the water going up on one of those big old waves. But it also reminds you, uh-oh, this thing is unstable. And furthermore, it's fixing to come crashing down. Be careful, rich, fat, spoiled Americans. We're on top of the world right now. But it is unstable, and I am confident it will soon come crashing down. Amen, that's true. Don't think that just because you're going up, 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 that it's all wonderful. It's scary there too. Sudden uncontrolled ascent, verse 26. They mount up to the heaven. Oh no, look at that next phrase. They go down again to the depths and then it crushes and down you go, man. And that's scary. And you don't know if you're going to sink. You don't know if part of the ship is going to break. You don't know what's going to happen. This is their trial. And it says they have a melted soul. That's a good way to describe it. I looked up the meaning of the word in Strong's Concordance that's translated melted for us here. It means soften, flow down, disappear. That's what happens when something melts, isn't it? Got a big old bunch of ice. It softens first. Then it flows down and then it's just gone. (laughs) And your courage and your soul will occasionally in your life soften, flow down, and just disappear melted psalm 22:14 i am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint my heart is like wax it is melted in the midst of my bowels psalm 119:28 my soul melteth for heaviness strengthen thou me according to thy word there are going to be times in your life where you're going to melt You're not going to be strong. The thing is going to get you, and down you go. Bless your heart. And I hope that you're in close fellowship with the Lord when those times come. But it's not just, uh, it's not their physical body that melts, it's their soul that melts. That's their heart, their emotions. Verse 5, they have a, uh, of this chapter, they have a fainting soul. In verse 9, they have a longing soul. In verse 18, they have a soul abhorring food. And here in this verse 26, I guess it is, they have a melting soul. There are just times life will beat you down and get you down, even when you're one of the movers and shakers. You're one of the successful business people. You're one of the people with good connections. It'll get you too. And it's just the Lord, and it's not something to hate, and it's not something to despise, and it's not something to turn on. Listen, there are plenty of people that are out of fellowship with the Lord today because He allowed some stuff to happen in their life they never forgave Him for. Don't fall into that trap. You stay close to Him even in the storm. Now let's look at the effects of their trial in verse 27. It says they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Reeling and staggering. I've told you before about the time when I was a kid and I stepped on the garden rake and the thing came up and hit me in the head. And while I was dazed and trying to figure out why I was hurting so bad, suddenly right in my head, I staggered around, stepped on the dumb thing again. 
that uh, that garden rake didn't have long to be here. <laughs> it was it was broken in pieces in short order. But uh, whenever something hits you and you are staggered and you are reeling, uh, that is a bad place to be. I have been there in life. You're mentally or emotionally reeling when you're confused, you're shocked, you're unable to act. I had made some bad decisions in life and got myself in trouble and things weren't going good and I was scared to death to make a move because the last couple of decisions I had made had wrecked me. <laughs> and so I thought, man, now what do I do? And I was reeling and I was staggering and I was in danger of stepping on the garden wreck again and getting hit again because I wasn't sure what I was doing or where I, where I was. That's a bad place to be. And here are people that are used to being in control. Here are the people that have business relationships. Here are the people that are used to prospering. Here are the people that have a good plan. Here are the people that have a successful track record. And they're in this shape. This world tells you be a self-made man. This world tells you be an independent woman. Let me tell you when that won't help you. When God decides He's going to teach you a lesson. Yeah. You, you're not smart enough for that. When he decides he's going to teach you a lesson, you are, you're fixing to learn a lesson. You're fixing to get an education. And I don't care what relationships you have and what business partners you have, he can bring some things along that you just can't handle. And he does for these successful people. They're reeling and they're staggering and they're at their wit's end. I mean, they're almost never before at their wit's end. What happened? God decided to step in. That's what's happened. Their intellect, intellect, their understanding, their mental powers are expended. They've tried everything they know to try. Now let's look at the turning point in their trial. It's the same one for the others. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Well, my insurance company doesn't cover this, and the lawyer can't bail me out of this. And my rich friends can't give me any money that will help this. It's not like they can cure this terminal disease, perhaps, or whatever, whatever other uh, likeness we could use here. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He bringeth them out of their distresses. Their trouble and distresses is what does it. You know what will turn you to the Lord many a time? Trouble and distresses that He sends. And you know why He keeps them coming? He needs you to stay close to Him. Amen. Boy, that's... I've told you before about my arguments with the Lord. And I'm pretty good about not arguing. You know, as long as the, as long as the length of the trial is within what I deem to be an acceptable period of time. <laughs> but boy, when it goes months and years, I start saying, Now, Lord, now wait a minute. <laughs> Are you sure it really needed to go this long? Let me tell you what to do. You just stay close to Him as long as it lasts, however long that may be. I've read stories of people in shipwrecks, and they were lost out at sea for a long time, bless their hearts. You stay close to God the whole time. Trouble and distresses. Let's see, I'm going to read from Psalm 69 here. Psalm 69, verse 14. Deliver me out of the mire, and let me not sink. Let me deliver, let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of the deep waters. 
Let not the water flood overflow me, neither let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, and hide not thy face from thy servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Boy, I remember praying that one a few times. Man, I sure do. You know what shows faith? When you can be going through one of those times and still think God has loving kindness. That takes faith. Because it doesn't look like He does right then to the eyes of flesh, does it? It looks like He is beating you up. (laughs) And even if you're honest enough to admit you deserve it, it still doesn't feel like loving kindness. Loving kindness is not giving somebody just exactly what they deserve, especially when it's bad. Loving kindness is giving them something better than what they deserve in our minds. And don't get me wrong, the Lord is going to give us something way better than we deserve. But not every minute of every day. Sometimes for extended periods of time, He's going to let us go through the ringer. You'd know I was lying if I told you any different anyway. Trouble and distresses is the turning point in their trial. Because that's what got them to cry unto the Lord. And then the Lord takes action. You want a good study? You study the places where the Lord gets up and gets busy. That'll bless you. I like, uh, Dr. Rutman used to preach a good sermon from over there in the Gospels when Jesus was asleep and the disciples woke him up to take care of the problem. And it says, then he arose. Boy, you won't get a blessing. You read all those places in the Bible where then he arose. When he gets up and does something, it gets done. And when he doesn't, it just doesn't get done. You know why? Because your plans and all your successes, you big business person, so proud of yourself, (laughs) that think you're so smart and think you're so rich and think you're so desirable and think you're so great. Let me tell you something. When God doesn't do things, they just don't get done. But the Lord stands up and takes action. Now, let's look at the description of their salvation. Verse 29, He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. He calms the the wind and stills the waves. He's the one in control. He's the one pushing the buttons. You know what He said in in the Gospels? He said, Peace! Be still! And it got still. Now, let's me and you try that next time we're in the middle of a big storm. We don't have that power that He has. And you know what? It scared the disciples to death. And they said, what manner of man is this that the wind and sea obey Him? What man? That song says, what man is this they all did say who the wind and waves obey? He's the one who walks with me. He's the master of the sea. That's the one you want to stay close to. Whatever's going on in your life. He's the one pushing the buttons. He's the one in control. He calms and stills the waves. Verse 29, uh, verse 30, it says, Then are they glad because they be quiet. Um, Don't ever kid yourself about the wealthy people and the successful people and the people that have the great uh, social media pictures. There's a reason they call it fake book. You can fake all that stuff real good. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you what a lot of those people with real pretty faces and real nice makeup go through every day. Anxiety and fear. Troubles and heartaches. Failures and frustrations. You can put a pretty picture 
for this world to look at and you not really have the joy, 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 joy down in your heart. Look at verse uh, 29. He maketh, I mean verse 30. Then are they glad. You want gladness? It's going to have to come from the Lord. The real gladness, that's where it comes from. Psalm 106 verse 15 talks about a time that some people got what it was they were wanting, but they didn't enjoy it. Psalm 106.15 says, And He gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. Just because you have all the things that you can take pretty pictures of doesn't mean you're getting any enjoyment out of them whatsoever. There are plenty of people who are not. Haggai chapter 1, we won't turn for sake of time. It's already running a little bit late. But it talks about people that put on clothing and none of them are warm. And they get something to drink and they're still thirsty. And they eat food and they're still hungry. And they earn wages and put them in a bag with holes. Let me tell you about all the things that supposedly bring satisfaction. God can make it where you don't get any satisfaction out of them. What's important is not how good your plan is, although that helps a little. And not how good your business contacts are, although that helps a little in some ways. What's important is how's your relationship with God and are you seeing Him in your life? He calms the wind. He gladdens their hearts. He quiets things. I know what wealthy people want. They want the gated communities. They want the retreats. They want to get away from the stresses and troubles of this life. You know why? Because if you're doing business in great waters, you often face storms. Very good point. And you know what God does? He gives them something that their gated communities can't do for them. He gives them quiet. He bringeth them unto their desired haven. That's the other thing He does. He grants your desires. What is that thing you want? You know who can get it for you? The Lord. Amen. You know what you're not going to be able to do? Get it yourself. You say, oh yes I did. I did. I really wanted this promotion and I got it. Yeah, and about three months later, were you happy with it? <laughs> like the woman at the well I was seeking... For things which could not satisfy. The Bible says, I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. That's the description of their salvation. They have their desire granted. Now let's look at the lessons from this salvation at sea. Number one lesson is relative innocence does not exempt you from trouble. I pointed out early in the message, it doesn't list a sin that these people did. It doesn't say they're fools. It doesn't say they're rebels. It doesn't say they're negligent and lost. They're just out there taking the opportunity that they have in business to provide for themselves and their family. They're not doing anything overtly, definitely wrong. And don't think, because you're not a criminal and you don't do drugs and you wouldn't you know, mess around in a thousand different ways, that all of a sudden, life is going to be easy for you. Now, yes, it'll save you from some troubles. The more trouble you stay out of, the more trouble you'll stay out of. (laughs) So, yes, it will help some. But don't think it guarantees a life of ease. It sure will not. Furthermore, when I say innocence, I'm, I'm saying relative innocence. 
I'm afraid a lot of us think because we're not Saddam Hussein or Kim Jong-un <laughs> that we're pretty good people. Let me tell you something. Our person we're supposed to be comparing ourselves to is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are far short of that, for sure. Relative innocence does not exempt you from trouble. Lesson number two, relative innocence does not imply a relationship with God. Now, they know about God. They're noticing His works out there in nature. And they knew who to call on when they got in trouble. But they didn't have much of a relationship with Him. Now, if you're in the Bible Belt South, pretty much everybody believes in God down here. I know there's an atheist here or there, but not many. Not many at all. Most of us believe in God. We believe He created nature and all this, and Jesus died on the cross for us and believe some Bible stories and things and thank God for it. That's not the same as a relationship with God. Amen. How are you and the Lord doing? Number one, have you trusted Him as your Savior? And number two, are you and Him close and talking every day? Nothing in your life is more important than that. Not your husband or wife. God is even more important than them. Not your children or parents. God is even more important than them. Not your siblings or cousins. Not your job. Not anything you got going is more important than your relationship with God. He's number one. Not whether or not you're sitting in a church pew this morning. Nothing is more important than your relationship with God. Make sure that one's in place. Uh, Lesson number three, education, wealth, success, experience, etc. only give limited safety. Now, yes, they do give some safety. You'll use some common sense and you'll work hard and you'll earn some money and you'll advance and, and do good things that are good for business and good for your society. Amen. It will help you in some ways, but it's limited. Lesson number four, education and wealth and success and experience Do not lessen your need for God. Just because you have those things don't mean, okay, well, I won't need the Lord now because now I've I've retired a millionaire or or, whatever, whatever your particular goal may be. It does not lessen your need for God. These people, some of them are great successes and they're crying unto the Lord in their trouble. Lesson number five, there is no guarantee that temporal salvation will result in repentance, but it should. Now these people get out of their trouble, but what's to say they don't get right back in it? I was witnessing to a friend uh, that I worked with one time, and I was talking to him about the Lord. He said, oh, oh, me and the Lord's fine. I said, how do you know? He said, I was in a wreck one time, a real bad wreck. And I said, Lord, it's not even sure if I'm going to survive this, these injuries, but if You'll get me out of here at this hospital and I, and I make a recovery. Me and you will be like this. And sure enough, he got me out of there. And so me and him are like this. We got an understanding. All right. I hope you know that is not the plan of salvation. <laughs> I'm glad the Lord got that guy out of that uh, hospital. And that was a good thing that the Lord did. But that wasn't the same as trusting the Lord as his Savior, was it? Others of us have uh, witnessed to people, maybe right after they had a near-death experience or a, a, a situation that could have turned out a whole lot worse and they were a little shook up and they were open to talking about the Lord right then. But as time passed, they got calloused. They hardened their heart toward the Lord. Just because God does a good thing for you, it doesn't guarantee a long-term repentance. Although it should. In the case of Jonah... 
and those uh, mariners that he was out there with, you know what they did? Jonah was down there sleeping and they said, what are you doing? Get up here and call on your God to get us out of this mess. And when Jonah said, uh, I serve God, the maker of heaven and earth, throw me off the boat. And they threw him off the boat and all of a sudden that storm subsided. You know what it said? Those men feared and made vows. Amen. They said, whoa, that must be the true one. Your God is a real God that really does stuff like that. Amen. Don't think that just because we're not in the days of the Old Testament prophets and Jesus and the apostles and their miracles, don't think that He's not a real God and He doesn't do stuff just as miraculous sometimes. The best way for you to get a hold of those miracles is bury your nose in this Bible and bow your head in prayer and be in fellowship with Him every single day and you'll see some of those things. Jonah, Matthew, chapter 14 Verse 32, we have the story of those um, apostles that I referred to. Um, or is it Mark I'm looking here? Oh, well, I've got a note here of Matthew, and then I also I've got a verse written down here from Mark. It says, And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and sea obey him? In the parallel passage over in Matthew chapter 14, it said, And they worshipped him. You ought to worship God because of some of the miraculous things He does and some of the great wonders that He does. And then it should lead to obedience. In Acts 27 and Acts 28, Paul told those people, said, oh boy, you better not go out here. And they said, oh, there's a nice soft southern wind coming right now. It'll be fine. <laughs> and they hit a storm. Let me tell you what hitting a storm from God ought to do. It ought to make you even more committed to obey Him. Because you know what we do? We get think, well, I'll be all right. Well, nobody knows. Well, this won't hurt testimony. Well, and we justify it one reason or another. And then a big old storm comes, and that's a real good time to renew your commitment. Sorry for disobeying you, Lord. <laughs> it scares me to death the power you got, and sometimes I forget it, and I forget you're watching me. That's the lessons from the salvation at sea. Now let's look at the purpose for their salvation, and we'll get ready to close here in a minute. Verse 31, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. It doesn't say, Oh, and always men do praise the Lord. It says, Oh, that they would. There are plenty of times they don't. There are plenty of times they come out of one of these things and still don't get right in any long-term committed way. What is the purpose? That they would praise the Lord. Look at Psalm 42, or I'll read it to you here in a minute. Psalm 42, verse 7. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night His song shall be with me in my prayer unto the God of my life. Let me tell you something. You're in a good place if you can be in a storm on the ocean and talking about the Lord's loving kindness. That's, that's one place where I would not be thinking about His loving kindness. I'd be scared about His judgment. But I wouldn't be thinking about His loving kindness. When you can go through trials and still think the Lord loves you, you're at a place most Christians never get. Verse um, 9, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? 
As with the sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down on my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him who is the health of my countenance and my God. You want to get with some of God's choice servants? You get in a place where you can go through a storm, having, have people making fun of you and taunting you for what you're going through, and still put your hope in God and talk about His loving kindness. Poor old Job went through that, didn't he? Lost everything, had friends telling him he must have been wrong, and he, and he didn't do everything perfectly, but he still stayed close to God. And the Lord blessed his end more than his beginning. You are in rarefied air when you get where you can do that. If you can go through life-changing trials and stay close to God, you're getting up there in the 90 percentile. You're way up there. That's a blessing if you can reach it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why? For His goodness. Not just because He's great and you know created this great big universe. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee for his wonderful works to men. Isaiah 63, 7, I will mention the loving kindnesses of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel which he hath bestowed on them according to his mercies and according to the multitude of his loving kindness. All the trials that Isaiah deals with and yet he's talking about the loving kindness two times in that one verse. Public exaltation should be praising the Lord and it should be public exaltation. We are getting scared to speak up for God in our day and that worries me. Amen. We're living clean in many cases and thank God for it. And we're staying out of trouble, but we're not speaking up enough for the Lord. Let's say His name. You remember when some of the protests were going on about some of these criminals that were being killed by police? And they were saying, say His name, say His name, say His name. Hey, listen, if we should say their name, we should definitely say the Lord's name. Amen. Think about what all He's done for you. Now say His name in front of somebody. Psalm 40, verse 10, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. God help us to say it out loud in front of some people. Psalm 11, verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Now, we saw this morning that not all sinners are grossly immoral and not all who are desperately in need of God are desperately in need financially. There are some people that looks like everything is taken care of them if with them. All their bases are covered. There is nothing that can possibly reasonably hit them and they need God just as bad as somebody who's broke and helpless. But God's loving kindness extends to all. Now, I'm speaking to some hard-working, well-taken-care-of, well-fed American Christians this morning, am I not? You may be smart, you may be wealthy, you may be confident, and you may not be afraid, but God help you to fear Him. And God help you to know you need His help every day just as bad as anybody else does. God can arrest the attention 
of the working class. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to read and study your word. And thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness. And Lord, next time I'm in a real big trial and I get thinking I've got it all handled and I know what to do and I know my Bible and I've got good friends and I've got a good insurance policy and I've got a good job and whatever else I might put my trust in. Lord, I pray that I'd remember, number one, I better fear you and number two, I better rely on you because I need you as much as anybody does. And I pray everybody under the sound of my voice would remember that. And that's even the wealthy ones, and that's even the successful ones. And I do appreciate their success. I do appreciate the hard work and effort and the ingenuity they put into things. I'm not, I'm not running those things down. But they don't make us need you any less. And I pray we'd always remember that. Now, Lord, I pray you'd speak to somebody's heart that needed to hear this message this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, let's stand together. As the Lord spoke to you, come to this altar and obey His Spirit as we sing. 388, Blue Handbook. Have thine own way, Lord.